This is Conversations with Robbie Irwin. You're very welcome. This is the podcast produced in association with Senior Times. Now, Senior Times is the magazine for the over 50s. And for those of us who simply don't feel our age, you're very, very welcome once again. Now, my guest today uh, was born Irene McCubrey and a stellar, in a stellar career in showbiz and broadcasting. She captured the hearts of the nation for her warmth, exuberance and indeed passion for that chosen career. That uh, path brought its ups and downs and indeed brought some tragedy. But she came through and all that had us lived to tell the tale and indeed maybe the tales. Let's hope she can tell us some of those tales over the next little while. She may have been born... Irene McCubrey, indeed, perhaps christened even Irene McCubrey, but we know her simply as the brilliant, the warm, the passionate Maxie. How are you, Maxie? Ah, Robbie, how lovely to see and hear you. (laughs) And you too, you too. Long time. Thank you. Long time. But hey, our careers are sort of parallel. You know, we've worked together um, in RTE. We worked together very closely in Millennium, Millennium Radio. Yeah. And then I, I see you in the building all the time before I retired. I saw you in the building all the, all the time before I retired. So well done and hello and lovely to see you. And you too, Maxie. I mean, I mentioned in the in the intro there to, to you that, uh, I mean, stellar is, is, is it's, it's a very lukewarm word, I think, because looking at your, your, your career path, I know you sent it on to me. It's amazing. I mean, we could be here for hours talking about all the different things that you did. But can I go right to the very end to start, if you don't mind? And Absolutely. I may... <laughs> You're driving, Robbie. <laughs> I may jump over all over the place. OK, it's, it's, do it's what you a... wish. But when, when the time I, I came... i got to be there to see you jump. <laughs> um, it wouldn't be the first time. Come here now today. <laughs> um, when the time came, given the way it operates in RTE, um, and uh, I mean, RTE were very good to you and you were very good to RTE, but when the time came that it was that moment that you had to say bye-bye, how, how did you feel about that? Robbie, I was excited. I have always embraced change. Mm. And I dreamed about getting into RTE and I got my dream. I dreamed so many dreams that came came true. And when that time came, I have a very positive attitude to life. I was born with it and my parents encouraged it. So it's probably no credit to me. But I figured I have been just handed a gift of time. What do I want to do with it? I don't have a deadline anymore. I don't have to be anywhere anymore. What would I like to do with it? And the answer myself gave was study writing. Hmm. I had been doing links, as we all do, on programs. I had been writing for the RT Guide. I'd been writing for In Dublin magazine. I had um, been writing songs with Charlie McGettigan. We've, we've lots and lots of songs done together. But I wanted to do, to study my craft. If it's one thing I've learned in this business, and I'm a long time in it, as you've just touched on in the introduction, it's that you must know your craft. You must learn. Mm. And so I went back to school and I studied in Kilroy's College and got a um, diploma in creative writing. And mm. that took a couple of years and a lot of hard work. And it it set me on the trail that I wanted to go on, which was um, exclusively writing. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I felt that day walking out of RTE was a mixture of sadness and excitement because the sadness, of course, that you'd miss your colleagues. Um, thankfully, lots and lots of them have been in touch like your good self. Um, but also the next adventure 
And as you know from reading my, my um, backstory, I have changed direction lots of times. Yeah. But this was a change of direction again. No, the reason I asked you, and I was curious about it, and this is about you, not about me, because when I, when, when it, the time came for me to say goodbye, I yeah. was one of those people who did not want to say goodbye. And you I fought, fought it, did you? I did, yeah, as best yeah. I could. Now, I, di I didn't win. Um, I fought it as best I could. And I don't see myself as being retired. I see myself as having having been retired. I, I, I haven't retired, but I was I retired. And, yeah. and I was curious... When you knew that was coming, wait, did you have any desire to, to fight it just to say, look, lads, I want to no, stay here? No, and, and I'll tell you why. Because my, I was very blessed so many times in my life. The very first major blessing I got was my mum and dad. Mm. My mum was a school teacher working at a time when women didn't work. Mm. Uh, and my dad was an insurance agent. Now, that cocktail in the house all the time was the perfect embryo for a freelance broadcaster and a <laughs> yeah. freelance singer because yeah. my mum would make sure I was in tune when I was rehearsing. My dad would say, what about a steady job, darling? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And my dad wished and prayed for me to get into RTE. He always wanted me to get into RTE, but he also knew that I had that free bird spirit. So coming up to my 30s and 40s, he would say, no, what about the pension? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would say, um, yeah, Mommy, yeah. that's a lovely fabric I saw in such and such a window. Will you make me a mini skirt and hot pants in that? It's lovely and pink. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just didn't understand what he was on about. But like all good parents, he kept punching in the message. What about mm. the pension? You know, and, no one can live on the state pension, don't you? Like, what? Yeah, and they still can't, Maxie, by the way, as you know yourself. <laughs> but so, that, was, so, that was what was in my head. I was thinking, yeah. gosh, he was he was right. So there was some, also there was some element, if you like, of showbiz getting drummed into you in its own kind of way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you kind of were emphasizing the pension aspect or the serious yeah. aspect, if you like. Yeah. But uh, so so would you would you put it down that it was always there from an early age that you wanted to go? Showbiz. 100 percent. Yeah. Um, my dad played the fiddle in a band. My mum played uh, was in, in uh, as, a, as I was telling you, as a school teacher, but she also played the uh, harmonium. She yeah. ran a choir. She loved drama. Um, and going back now that I have time in this stage of my life, I realized my grand uncle was a journalist. Oh, mm. So it's in the blood. And I had, when I left, uh, the, I went to the uh, St. Louis nuns first and then the Holy Faith Comet. And then I went to Caffrey's College and studied journalism. And mm. then I went to Rathmines uh, College of Commerce and studied journalism as well. So that was sort of on the advice of mum and dad as well, saying, I know you love to sing and I know you're happy, but never forget that you have to make way for the freelance blues, as I call mm. it. There's mm. always gaps in things and it's always, they're seasonal. You know, when I was singing, it was the summer show and the Christmas show, and then you had to wait for the summer show again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I was very used to that, Robbie. Very, very used to it. And that is part and parcel, Max, of uh, that freelance world. I mean, anybody yes. will tell you. And I've often read that, you know, various people have said, you're kind of within 30 seconds on one side of getting a gig but the other 30 seconds, you could miss the gig. And yeah. while that may not always be the case, um, you know, 
it's theoretically true is really, isn't yes. it? You know. Yeah. And I've I have great conversations with my colleagues or former colleagues, and we all remember um trying to get the gig, uh, not getting the audition, you know. We all remember getting the audition and then not being able to take it. Yeah, or exactly. some other audition had come in. So that's part of the, the tapestry that we were used to. And I think it it, it makes you tougher and makes you realize um that this is this is the excitement of, of what we wanted to do and what is inbred in us. It's yeah. also a great disappointment at, at times as well. But mm. you gotta my mum used to have a great expression, she'd say, Now I'll allow you to look out the window for about four hours on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then get real. Yeah, exactly. But then of course getting real is 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 is, is living the dream in a way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because to get real, you have to have those dreams. And you obviously yeah, and, have those dreams. And, and don't Robbie, sorry to interrupt you, but there's no point in going into this business without having that strength. Yeah. So where did it actually start in terms of you got your family background, uh, you're in school, as you said. And, you know, I mean, the story of meeting the, the girls, the other girls there as such to form the, the, the early stages. Is that where that all started? It could actually, Robbie, it couldn't have started any earlier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, the school choir, the school yeah. orchestra um, and the school choir one time, uh, there's about 70 of us in it in St. Louis and Rathmines. And the, you remember the Kigara in school, the inspector oh, came in. On the Kigara. dreaded Kigara, the dreaded, the dreaded Kigara. Kigara. But this one wasn't dreaded, he was a lovely gentleman, Pontius O'Kelly, and he worked for RTE. And he came in and he said, I have a, um, been approached by RTE to send uh, about 20 young girls in a choir to America. So I'm going to audition. And we auditioned, I got it, my sister Mary got it. And there was 20 of us and we were going to America. And I was, I was about, God, Robbie, I'd be about eight. Yeah. And we had the gooners and we packed the bags and the mammy and the daddy had the few bob put aside and it all fell through. Oh, my God. I know at that age. I was what happened? I don't know. Um, <laughs> they said the sponsors withdrew. The old story as well. The old story. Yeah. And at eight years old, you don't even know what a sponsor is. Yeah. You just know you're not going. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't. But where did Maxie Dick and Twink then start? Maxie Dick and Twink then. So yeah. from that special choir, we used to do performances. And we do Jury's Cabaret and um, Gaiety Theatre and things like that. And because we were underage for working, we did a week. And then mm. the next seven or 12 would come in and do it the next week and the next week and the next week. Very exciting time in Ireland. We looked to England all the time for um, the music industry. And there was no recording studio in Ireland. Mm. Eamon Andrews was a huge star across the water. Yeah. His right-hand man was Fred O'Donovan, who we know Bill O'Donovan, his brother, and knew him, God rest. They're both, mm. the three of them are gone now. But anyway, Eamon came in one day. Eamon uh, used to hire the gaiety for the summer shows and the... Um, and the pantos of Maureen Potter, Milo O'Shea, yeah. all those great artists. And he came in and he said, I'm thinking of buying a recording studio in Ireland because the show bands are very popular. And I want three girls to back the show bands. I want female vocals on the show band records because they're all men in the show bands. And I'm going to audition you. So Freda Donovan made us into three, uh, four three girl groups. And the four three girl groups auditioned and Maxie Dick and Twink got it. And uh, we were 
booked to do backing vocals. Yeah. So Twink, that's my first real chance to talk to Twink because she was one year younger than me, therefore in another class. And Dick, as in Barbara Dix, was two years younger than me, therefore in another class. So uh, Twink said, and she great nerve, Robbie. You know, I, I was so quiet and shy. And she said, what are you going to call us, Mr. O'Donovan? Mm. And he said, the Gaiety Three. <laughs> and she like... said, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he said, well, Miss King, if you can come up with a better name by the time the posters are being printed for the next show, I'll listen to you. So we reversed into the dress room and she went, McCubri, your name, Maxie is your name and Barbara Dixon is Dick. And my daddy calls me Twink all the time. So let's put that together. And I said, oh, Maxie, Dick and Twink. She said, no, I want it the other way around. Yeah, Twink first. <laughs> I want Twink first. Of course, yeah. It doesn't roll. It doesn't. It doesn't <laughs> roll, Twink. And she said, "Oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> so we were put together, and we had a great opportunity in the uh, recording sessions because that blend was developed. Yes, yes. I'm actually. And, what uh, age? What age were you guys at that time? Um, I would say sixteen. I was sixteen. She was fifteen, and and Barbara was fourteen. Right. Yeah. And did you end up then from that and getting the gig, if you like, as Maxi, Dick and Twink, uh, yeah. kick, kicking off as such? Did you go yeah. on the road then? And, uh, um, we we went into the gaiety first, into the pantos and the summer shows and developed the act. And uh, Fred O'Donovan helped us with that. We got a repertoire. He used to give us the big, big ladies. You wouldn't know it, Robbie, but I certainly would. And a lot of a lot of people listening will know there's a the huge... Um, ladies in the gaiety. It's like it's almost the size of the half the theatre. And he said, go in there and just get to know each other and get a blend together. And if at the end of whatever it was, four weeks or something, you haven't had a row and you're still together and you can blend, he said, I'll put you into a show. So we, we I mean, we're still 50, 60 years on, we're still chatting. Um, so that's what happened. And then Noel Pearson came in to see the show one night. And Noel, as you know, is film producer, was, was part of three businessmen at the time called Tribune. And he said, uh, I think this act could go on the road. Tom McGrath came in, the television yes. producer to see the show, said, I think this act could go on television. And so we had two important men, the heart of show business, advising us and and helping us. Incredible. I mean, two Incredible. huge names. Two, I wouldn't call them quite impresarios, but, you know, they, in their own way, of course, they are yeah. aware. Yeah. What a, what a dream start. Yeah. But I tell you, you know, that they those men recognised what Fred O'Donovan had done in that he had polished and polished and polished and polished the act. So we weren't raw by any, by any means. And... Those gentlemen knew that all you had to do was say, girls, you know, you've got two songs on that show and two songs on that show. Mm. And we would at that stage, having worked with Maureen Potter and Milo Shea wow. and Hayden and all those very, very important people, we knew what to do next. So that we, as, as um, Noel said to me, I knew I had to make one phone call. Mm. And that was to tell you I had the gig. Yeah. And after that, I knew you'd come with with your costumes and your your dots, if we needed them, you know, everything after that. You were that experienced at that young age. 
an amazing an amazing start. I mean, the blend yeah. is obviously there, and the people who had to make these decisions in terms of you know these people are good, uh, recognize that. Gave yeah. as you say the opportunity to blend together. Yeah. Yes. And then you had these two big names. What a start, Maxie. Yeah. Yeah. What a start. What a start. Yeah. And as you know, probably very well, and I know very well, a start is only the beginning. You've mm. got to deliver. You've got to be on time. Uh, Bill O'Donovan, Fred's brother, whom I, who later became my mentor in radio, used to used to say to me, "Be on time mm. and sober." Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I want, girls. Be on time and sober. And actually, if you think about that now, what you've just said. Yeah, uh, that you're only as good as your last gig, and which yeah. is basically kind of what you were saying. Yeah, I, I said I might jump all over the place. If you yeah. come, you know, years later, you come to the, the, the night you had that terrible accident yeah. um, in Partry in Castlebar, yeah. which we'll talk about in a second. But as yeah. a result of that, you were kind of, you know, in a different part of your career. Yeah, um, with Sheba, um, but in that part of your career, you had this record contract and the big label but because of the accident you were dropped or mm. that's what they say yeah so that's the opposite to what happened to you at the start isn't that funny yeah yeah now i have a very strong belief I, I, you know me a long time i'm a very positive thinker and i believe in the in the journey that you make in life robbie yeah now if you want to go back to 1981 then before that i had represented my country in eurovision in luxembourg mm. Maxi Dick and Twink uh, was uh, ended in 1970 in Canada and the United States. We toured yeah. Canada and the United States. Uh, I really wanted to come home. Barbara really wanted to stay. And Adele wanted to go further. And she went to America with Brendan Boyer, as we know. So my headset and my mindset when I woke up in a coma, as someone said to me, what was it like to wake up in a coma? Um, <laughs> I, woke, I woke up in Castle Bar. And I remembered, I thought, okay, turning point, what's what are you going to do? In Luxembourg, when I represented my country, there was an awful lot of PR to be done. Mm. And one of the things I had to do was to go to Radio Luxembourg mm. and be interviewed by Pete Murray on Open House. Now, I was delighted to go to Radio Luxembourg because I was one of those who bought the transistor and put it under the blankets and listened to Kid Jensen and Tony <laughs> Prince. Yeah, like myself. All these guys. And, and Pete Murray, oh my God. Uh, and then the mammy would come in and say, put another, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I knew all these guys um, through the, the, the air. So to meet Pete Murray to me was just amazing because I mm. really loved him as a broadcaster. Super so I went into well. the open house, BBC. Pete was comparing the Eurovision at the time, which Graeme Norton, Terry Wogan, Michael Aspel had done. Pete was, was at that time in 1970. And I went in and they said, it's a six minute interview, darling. And uh, your, your record will be played. That's three minutes. So you'll only have to talk for three minutes. Well, mm. Pete talked and talked and talked with me, <laughs> went on and on and on. And I was delighted. I wasn't going to say, hold on, you told me three minutes. So at the end of it, we had a cup of tea and he sat down and he said, my darling, hmm. if anything ever happens to you, I want you to know that I think you have a great radio voice. Which you have. Thank you, Robbie. I said, thank you, Pete. Looked at the watch, said, oh, the photo shoot's 10 minutes and then I have to go and meet Cliff Richard or whatever was happening. <laughs> I didn't think of that again until 1981. 
That was 1973. So I'm lying back in Castlebar Hospital. The two girls were well enough to go home. The Maxette wasn't. And I'm lying back and I'm thinking, Pete Murray said I have a great radio voice. (laughs) And I heard his actual voice saying it to me, (laughs) which is rather strange. So I talked to Kevin Hawk, the most beautiful man on this earth, who I had been at school with, who was a producer in RTE. And when I was well enough to go to the call box in the corridor of Castlebar Hospital, I said, Kev, I'd like to go into radio as a DJ. And he said, OK, I'll help you. Get a demo tape together when you get better. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. Your free travel card can be used on all Expressway coach services. Despite restrictions, we're staying on the road. Whether you need to attend a medical appointment or for any other essential journey, Remember to travel with Expressway. Expressway, keeping Ireland connected. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times, the magazine and website for people who don't act their age. Or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more. You can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash senior times. There were no women DJs at the time, Robbie, but Kevin knew that I needed that positive thought. So when I got well enough to come home, I rang him again and I said, I put a demo together. Will you have a listen? Kevin had a listen and he said, take that out. That's too long. That's too short. Too much of you. You know, I was playing all of the records. Yes. Don't hear Major rookie mistake. Mm. He said, play the first five seconds and the last five seconds and then give me your inch. Gave me great professional advice. And I sent that tape to everybody whose name I could see in the RT guide. That's another rookie mistake. (laughs) (laughs) I sent it to sport and news and current affairs and everything. Hadn't a clue. But one phone call came back. And it was Pat Dunn, you know, the lovely Pat Dunn. Of course I do. And Pat said, Max, we will give you an audition, but we will promise you nothing and I said thank you that's all I want Mm. and And then I went and I did well and we come back to that if that's okay Maxie because I mean your your broadcasting career like you know as I said right again at the top looking Uh over that career path I mean it's remarkable we touched and we can only touch briefly on a few of these yes Maxie Dick and Twink a huge name uh, as a group as a band and a great career with them Sheba you representing Ireland twice in the Eurovision Song Contest then all your DJing and all that let's let's just turn slightly aside for a second you said that uh, you were the only uh, female DJ Jockette. Jockette, yeah. Jockette at the time. Yeah. Um, you blazed the trail, Max, in many, many ways for women in, in your you. career. No, no, you did. And I'm not saying it in a patronising way, yeah. in the slightest. You know me better than that. I'm not saying it yeah, like that. Yeah. But I mean, in all the things you did, you're, you were the first lady to host a game show TV, a, a game show on TV. Um, you, you're DJing. Um, 
And I'm curious of what it was like in the show band days for 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 yourself um, and the rest of the gang going around as women in those days. You know, what, what was it like with that? Because I presume they were rough and ready sort of days as well as that. Well, Max, Dick and Twink, we were very protected that we had a chaperone. Yeah. Um, so we would travel in a car separate from from the band. Uh, initially, we started with just Adele on the guitar, and then it yeah. was us in the car. And then when we had a band, we'd travel separately. We had a chaperone. My first experience of what you're talking about would be when I was with Donny Doyle and was a solo mm. singer. And yes. so there'd be, oh gosh, eight, ten men and moi. Mm. And again, I, I flipped the thought, Robbie, and I thought, okay, so this is the circumstance, the girl singer. Some of the guys didn't want a girl singer, didn't mm. see the need for it. Some of them were very helpful. Um, wives were very curious. This mm. one, one with our mini skirt getting into the van with my husband. Yeah. It was all of that. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot going on. But in my head, my focus was improving my craft. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I needed to learn how to um, deal with an audience at that point. And I watched how the guys could do that. And I learned from them, same as I learned from Maureen Potter in, in the theatre. How the heck did Maureen, uh, when she looked around, she'd look right up to the gods and she'd look right to the parterre and everybody felt Maureen was looking at them. Mm. And I would watch that. So my, my time in the bands with the guys was, was mm. learning again. Mm. And I, I learned a lot from them. And I learned a lot about how men think, Robbie. Yeah. Very differently from what the way women think. Women are more emotional. And you said this to me and you know four years ago, and I'll never forget it. Men are just they just everything is pockets, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll talk about they'd have a, a debate and then they'll chat about cars or football. Or football, you know. And mm. it was after a while, I just blended in and I would be sitting there and it, the biggest compliment they could give me was, ah, you're just one of the lads. Yeah. <laughs> so thought, so there was, you never felt any kind of, uh, that, you, that you, okay, there might have been a little bit of resentment to it, but you, it could have been a man equally coming in that you were doing the singing, the lead singing, whatever. But overall, um, it, it, you know, there was no resentment about it. There was there was all sorts of things. There was adventure. There was resentment. There was disbelief. There was um, we don't need a woman in a band. All of that and all of that was was what was going on in the van. You can imagine getting into the van and you're traveling with eight, twelve men, and all the different conversations. Sometimes you wouldn't talk at all. Sometimes you talk all the way to the show. Mm. But every day there was there was a a, a sitcom. Yeah, you know. And it would change. And it would be sometimes what you think, Max. And there'll be other times when uh, don't ask her, she doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> they were going to anticipate what you were going to say anyway, probably. Yeah, you know? It was just so interesting because yeah. we're sitting there listening to all these cross conversations and then the personalities. And now, you know, if I can jump back to the present day, and I'm writing characters, I go, oh, my God, that character is, you know, that drummer was just so yeah. funny, you yeah. know, or that guy was the lead player was just so yesterday and he, he was presenting <laughs> um, yeah. electrical music coming in and, you know, yeah. all of those things were going on. So it was fascinating adventure. Yes. But I mean, you'd, you'd, you'd have that united bond where you went on stage for two hours together. Yeah, yeah. 
And then you come home on the way and then it'd be poker all the way home. And I go, for <laughs> God's sake, lads, will you turn off the light? And then we never mind her, I don't mind her. And then I took out the bulbs. That was that didn't go down too well. <laughs> Give us back the bulbs in the band. You um if if I was to if I was to define somebody um who epitomizes showbiz for all the things that I think showbiz about, um, you know, playing the game. There's there's a great name from the past as well, playing the game. Yeah. Um, doing all the stuff that you had to do um, yeah. and doing everything that you actually did do. I, I would nearly say that showbiz equals maxi. I know that's oh. a re- a re- no, but a really loose thing to say. Would 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 how would you react to that? That you I would are- I would actually have to agree because going through my uh, life mm. and um, putting my CV together, there were so many different things, mm. like backing vocals, first of all, the choir, then in 20, then in, in 12, then in three, uh, singing in a trio, um, then solo, then mm. forming Sheba, which was a totally different um, education to Maxi Dick and Twink. And then the radio was different again. Yeah. Um, and then the game show, uh, I was the first woman presenter of a game show. And Bill, again, my mentor, Bill O'Donovan, God rest him, used to say, Max, you know, we're watching, they're all watching how you do it. Yeah. So you've got to be a success. Mm. Because mm. there'll always be people say, oh, well, we had a woman, you know, presenting and ah, she wasn't great. And you were well, successful. We had a woman presenting, and she she was professional. So that glass ceiling was always there. Yeah, but you never felt through that, Maxi, because you always did it really well. And I mean, yeah. I found out I found out closely, as you know, because you're talking about the radio. And I yeah. suppose one of the earliest things in maybe not in years in terms of your your career, but from the the way it expanded in radio. I suppose our kind of year and a bit together in Millennium Radio for yeah. people. Who we don't remember Millennium Radio was a radio station set up um, by RT and indeed the Dublin Millennium Committee to celebrate the first Dublin. local radio station, Robbie. The yeah. very first local radio station. And again, we had to make a success of it because yeah. the minister was considering going around the country with local radio. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember suggesting Maxie's Millennium Love Songs. We'll get Maxie. Ah. And and we had you sponsored by Black Magic and all those kind of things. And it was terrific. But but, what what I was going to say to you was that um, that was a great... I think you were doing bits and pieces. I know you were doing various things on 2FM, a radio too, but it became 2FM. But I suppose... um, Radio One, when Radio One called after Millennium, or roughly speaking, yeah. um, that was the real start of your big, big radio. Well, before career. you leave Millennium, Robbie, I, I want to publicly thank you for helping me musically. Yeah. Because I remember you came to me and you said, Maxette, you're playing all the same kind of songs. Yeah. And I thought, it, you know, I didn't understand what you meant. And you took me aside and you said, broaden your musical taste. Mm. because you'll broaden your audience that way. Yeah. And it was golden advice, Robbie. Yeah, well, thank advice. you. And thank the, you. the beautiful harmonies that you introduced me to. Yeah. Zoom, <laughs> Fat Larry's Band, just yeah. so fab. And yeah, you did yeah. that. You took the time to say, do you mind if I say this? Mm. Mm. And a lot of the jocks would do that as well. They'd say, uh, darling, uh, if you don't mind me saying so, record it and listen back with a critical ear, that sort of thing. Great tips. 
Yes. So yeah. that's when Radio One called. That again, I was ready. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that, to me now, I know, I mean, I'm probably, it sounds as if I'm not even contemplating any of your other great work in radio, but to me, Millennium and then following was this yeah. the big Maxi career switch. Yeah. And Rise, Rise in Time. Now, I have to mention Rise in Time, Maxi, because I... I don't know how you did that. I know at the end of it, you're, <laughs> at the end of yeah. eleven years or thereabouts, yeah. you just had to leave it. You were exhausted yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. How did you do that? And what happened at the end of that those eleven years? Just got the body. Yeah, I was. Um, I think I did it from forty nine till I was sixty. Wow, wow! So that's a long time to be getting up at half three, four o'clock. And I used to get up early and and sing and get the voice ready, so I wouldn't be hoarse on air and. Mm. And I did a lot of research and I was just my usual pro self. Yeah. And the body was aging and time was changing. Mm. And uh, I just had to stop. Yeah. 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 And and th- th- what was the what, what was your life like at that stage in terms of your regime? Because I know everybody says how professional you are in terms of your preparation, etc. What, what yeah. was your what was your re- regime? Um, I go to bed about half past five and Robbie. Between you oh. and me, the goalpost, I still do. <laughs> You're <changed. joking. laughs> I do. I retired wow. at half past five, watch the quiz shows and have a chat with my sister Mary on the phone. And that's it. I, you know, by eight o'clock, somebody rang me at eight o'clock the other night and I rang them back and I said, if you don't, if you ever do that again, I'm going to ring you at <laughs> six o'clock when I get up. And, 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 and that's and, the body clock now. Right. And what time do you get up in the morning at six? Um, about this morning, about five. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's when the um, I got I was asked to do a an article yesterday, so I got up this morning and did the you know when you when you write it first it's the first draft. So yeah. I was at the computer at about quarter past six in the jammies, <laughs> wow. uh, checking me, polishing my work. So that's how the body clock is, and it has always been since rising time. And I just yeah. go with it now. Incredible, because it was yeah. uh, it's it was an exhaustion. Like, how exhausted were you after those eleven years, Maxie? Um, it took me. I went to a lovely uh, herbalist actually, and she said we got to go back to almost to being a baby, where you the baby sleeps and eats and sleeps and eats. So I had about had three full years of recovery. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So I was lying in the bed, and I thought of very very many creative things. Yeah. So I remember phoning Charlie McGettigan and saying, if I wrote lyrics, would you write songs? And Charlie hadn't heard that I was off air because Charlie's a muso. He doesn't listen at half yeah. five in the morning. Yeah, his body clock is the opposite. His body clock is the opposite. So he used to say, um, I didn't know what happened. He said, all these lyrics kept flying at me. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so I recovered by, by again going into my creativity. Yeah. The name Irene. Yeah. In, in in old Greek mythology, it stands. It, they tell me it's for peace. Yes. Um, are you at peace? And um, this sounds like as if you're dying. You're not dying, but are, are you um, peace? Are you a peaceful person? How's your a head? Very very intelligent question. Peace is one of my favorite words. Hmm. Um, I adore peace. Hmm. I will always be peaceful, and I will deal with things in a peaceful way. It's uh, it's a it's a beautiful name. I love it. And um, it's my mantra. So if there's any sort of arguments, I'll always calm down, calm down, calm down. Mm. I worked with Tom O'Connor and named that tune with Sheba in uh, Thames Television. 
Yes. And we had great chats and he used to always say, God, you're a real calm down, calm down, calm down. <laughs> um, and I am, you know, no matter what's going on, if there's some sort of, I'd say, shh, calm down, calm down, mm. calm down. Mm. Because you don't hear until there's silence mm. and, and peace. And it, it's a, I'm delighted you asked me because it's terribly important to me. Yes. Yeah. It's like the song, The Sound of Silence, because I mean, yeah. when, when people hear that or heard that, when I know when I heard it first, I didn't quite understand what it meant because I was a yapper. Yeah. But now, yeah. like years later, I know, obviously, I understand yeah. it, it as well. And in terms of. of um, and sorry, Robbie, just before we leave that, it was in peace that I heard Pete's voice mm. saying, you, you have a lovely radio voice that gave me the courage to be the first woman. Yes. It was in peace that I rang Charlie. That gave me the courage to say, can we co-write? Mm. You know, and it's it's when you calm down and, and listen in to the silence, that's when the mess, best messages come. Yeah. I remember listening to, to uh, Eamon Dunphy. I worked with Eamon on a couple of radio stations and indeed in sport. But I remember once he said, and some, somewhere he said, you know when it's over. You yeah. know when it's over because yeah. he he had gone through so many different radio stations or shows yeah. or whatever, and um, is it like no? This sounds awful, but it, like it's not over for Maxi. Or so what I'm trying to ask you is: is it over for you in terms of showbiz, or do you know that you've moved on from that and that you're doing your writing? Do you know at that that? I'm defined- like you know, Mummy is from Mayo and my dad was from County Down, and we used to spend our summers mm. when we were school children in the country. And yeah. I'd go out and look at the cows and they'd be regurgitating, chewing their cud, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I'd say, what the hell are you And they'd say, mum and dad would say, well, they have a couple of stomachs and they, they eat and then they put it all in there. And then when, they're, when they rest, go into that stomach and they chew their cud. Mm-hmm. And that's an analogy that's like me now, because writing is my joy. And I'm now going back into chewing me cud, into those back in the van, mm-hmm. the, the banter that used to happen. Um, any musos I chat to on the phone, I go, ah, oh, will you ever forget such and such a venue where the guy yeah. was, blah, 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 you know. Yeah. So it, it, is it over uh, in so far as I won't be going out, as is anybody, in a pair of tinfoil shorts anymore? No. <laughs> <laughs> boots. That yeah. part is over. But I'm at the metaphorically chewing my cud and going back into the memories. I'm writing short stories. I'm writing, I've, I'm on my third novel now. I haven't had it. I haven't got a publisher and I haven't got an agent. But that won't stop me, Robbie. Yeah. That will not stop me. I have oh. I have it in the bank. And those short stories are all based on my experiences. Yes. I did. So that, yeah. In that way, it's not over. Oh, no, and, and I knew you were going to say that or I was anticipating that because, yeah. like myself, I as I said, I don't feel retired. I feel I yeah. was retired. Yeah. And um, I'm not happy still about that. But I, I just get yeah. on with it. But, yeah. um, Looking at you and, uh, you know, as I said, you're such a career, Max. It's ridiculous and remarkable, all the stuff you've done. And to do it justice, we'd need about two or three hours. But learning from all those things and sitting back as you are, as I can see you now, um, and people can hear me saying this to you, you look content. And how would you describe Maxi, Irene McCubrey, as we speak? Tell me about your, you know, your, I prefer to talk about a little bit of this than, the day yet you had your number one or something like that. Tell me about yourself now. Um, I'm very, very content. I'm very able to to take change. I I filter the yeah. the aggro out of my life. And the people who bring me aggro, I filter. 
Mm. And I spend time with people I adore, as in on the phone as it is now. Yeah. Um, I have a very orderly existence. The girls always tease me and say, that'll be filed under P and that'll be filed under Z, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, so mornings I get up early. I do my writing. I have a breakfast and then I go back to bed, maybe sleep for 45 minutes or so. And then I'm up to do the admin in the house. Yeah. So they'll be putting out the bins and the washing <laughs> and all of that. Um, and by the after lunch, I'll uh, again, the writing or make a point of connecting. Kevin mm. Hawk is still in my life. Gorgeous Kevin Hawk. We, he was in high babies when I was in low babies in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. um, Many of the musicians that were in the band are still in contact. Many of the broadcasters and producers I worked with. Today, Robbie, I spoke to Pete Murray. Wow. In London. Pete is 96. Wow. Hello, my darling. How are you? <laughs> Fantastic. And phones, we had the best gossip. <laughs> wow. That's so, amazing. Yeah. That's like, that's, uh, I'm so proud of that friendship. Yeah. And I love that man to pieces, 96 years of age and full. I mean, I just uh, wrote a tribute to uh, Roger Moore. Yes. And I sent it over to Pete because Pete is a, a, a non-drinker and it's Pioneer magazine, one of the magazines that I write for. And Pete will always ring and say, Pioneers forever. <laughs> right. And the article was about Roger Moore. And Pete ran and said, thank you for sending the article. Roger and I were great friends. And I thought, you know something, Pete, you're like Prince Charles. You've met everybody. <laughs> and, and you know something? Looking at your CV and looking at the photographs, Irene McCobry, Maxie has met everybody. Everybody. Well. <laughs> well. So how interesting and fabulous Amazing. is that? Fantastic. Unbelievable. <laughs> and great to hear that Pete is still alive because the gentleman, when I was growing up, that I used to listen to was Pete Murray. And he was one of the first people on top of the pops as well, if I'm not I'm mistaken. so pleased. Oh, yeah. And he's, he's full brilliant. of fantastic, fantastic stories. I mean, yeah. we were talking about auditions and like how we started this conversation, Robbie about the auditions that you get and then you maybe you can't do or the audition that you don't get and everything. And Pete auditioned for 6-5 Special. Yeah. Remember 6-5 Special? Uh, unfortunately. Which is, for those who are listening who don't know, is a television program, a, yeah. a magazine program, mostly based in music. Anyway, he, had, he's, he was one of the 12, one of the five, one of the three, and then one of two. And Pete got the gig. And the guy who didn't get the gig was Sean Connery. Wow. <laughs> well, honestly, well, you've dropped an awful lot of names in there in one, one fell swoop, Maxi. I have to say, fair well, page. But the, that's, anybody who's listening, like Sean went on to become. Of course, uh, absolutely. So incredible. that's what auditions and life is all about. Never get, yeah. never get um, depressed. You know, no. Pete said, ask me, would I like to be James Bond or, you know, six by special. Hey, ho. There you go. And that's adage, 30 seconds on one side of an audition or 30 seconds the other way. Absolutely. You don't, you don't know how it goes. Yeah. Um, now, Maxi, I'm sure I, people will want to know your love life. And you're a great woman for batting things away. I know you'll <laughs> bat this away, but I have to ask, married once. Yeah. Yeah. Divorced once. Divorced once. And yeah. uh, lots of relationships are one or two really strong ones. I've been very lucky with it. They're, they're a faraginous mix, my, the men I've loved. Mm. Um, been very lucky with the, with the relationships. Um, I'm one of the single ladies now for a long time, and I'm very, very contented. Mm. Very contented. 
And um, do you not sorry, miss, no, sorry, I interrupted you. What I was going to say was, do you not miss holding somebody's hand and having a companion and, you know, having a chat? Well, I have chats. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, holding hand, no, funny enough. Hmm. Because, um, I don't know really why, maybe it, everything has a price and people have their own personalities and I'm very happy in my own company. Hmm. I don't know anybody that put up with me going to the scratcher at half five, would you? It's an interesting talk <laughs> about the same. <laughs> and phoning people and saying, don't ring me at eight, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, no is the short answer um, and the sincere answer. Um, I love my life as it is. And I don't do regrets, Robbie. I, I know you know me a long time. I don't really do regrets because you always presume that the, the thing that you're regretting would have worked out. And we know that the thing that you accepted has its ups and downs as well. Mm. So I accept the challenges and, and the um, vicissitudes of show business. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can rehearse something and then the roof falls in on the, on the uh, gig and you don't get there or you get there and, I remember, you know, when the petrol strike was happening in, in the 70s in Ireland and we, we begged and stole and borrowed petrol to get to the gig. But when we got there, there was nobody there. To go to the gig, exactly. You know, so, hey, yeah. well, I'm no, a, I don't miss the holy handies. Um, yeah. I have the chats of loads of great chats and loads yeah. of musos with the darkest sense of humour on this earth that keep yeah. me laughing and keep in touch. Um, and so I don't miss that at all. It's there. Well, I mentioned that I would I, I would consider you to be um, the absolute definition, if you like, of showbiz and stuff like that. And that's a compliment coming from my head, believe it or not. Thank you. Um, I, I also see you as somebody who's incredibly resilient um, and you've had a lot of ups and downs in your career, more ups and mi- much, much more ups than downs. Yeah. So resilient is another word that I would describe. Yeah. You, and uh, you're, you're brilliant at that. You're happy, all told, as we speak, obviously. D-Lara. D-E-L-I-R-A. <laughs> well, Maxie, I have to say it's fantastic to talk to you. I, I know. I loved, loved it, Robbie. Lovely to see you again. You too. And um, I wish you every success with your novels. Where are you at with the novels? Are you the novels, I, I, um, I have written... Two novels, and I'm writing the third one. I am looking for. I think I would go for a literary agent first, yeah, because it's again, it's a business that um, I need advice on. And then I've written a big fat book of short stories, which a lot of them have been published already. Mm. I've had great success, but sending them abroad more so than here. Uh, India loves me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> great, great. So um, the joy is in the creativity. Um, the books are there, um, and I. If it happens, it happens. If it never leaves the computer, I'm still contented, as you know. But uh, the, the the absolute and utter satisfaction I get from from uh, polishing a story mm. and the ideas of that come and all that is is just gets me gets me so much through the day and keeps me out of the pool halls, Robbie. <laughs> you, had, you had enough of those in your day, Maxie, with all those, with all those showbiz places. Listen, yeah. great to catch up with you. And um, Look, thank you very much. Uh, it's a You're pleasure. You're very welcome. And thank and you for thinking of me. No, no, no. Pleasure. And look, as I said, right at the top, um, we, I couldn't, we couldn't go through everything. And it's great to hear the other side of Maxie. One final question before I leave yeah. you. Um, sum yourself up for me and for all our listeners. Maxie, Irene McCubrey is what? Tell me about 
in your head. Just give me that. I'm giving you a chance to think about that just as we leave you. As you as we speak at the moment, I touched on it, happy, content, uh, resilient, and all those words. Now you've had 30 seconds to think about the answer. In 30 seconds, what should we think about you now as we say goodbye? Embrace challenge. Great. Is that succinct enough? Got more? Absolutely not. That is brilliant. Embrace challenge. Well, you've certainly done it. And I'm delighted that we joined that you joined us today in conversations. You look great. You sound brilliant. Get back to more DJing and uh, best of luck with you, Maxi. Thank you very much for joining us. Slam.